This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. And we are joined now by Jackson Rutledge, MLB Pipeline's number four prospect in the Nats system, a former first-round pick who has been rolling in Fredericksburg, including making probably his best start as a pro, going seven shutouts, scattering three hits, punching out eight a couple nights ago. Jackson, we're Grant Paulson and Danny Ruye here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. So I've gotten to know you a little bit over the years and talked to you, Dayton, all the way back to when you were drafted. So let's just start with your most recent start, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Uh, The other night had to feel really good. That that was as sharp as we've seen you in the box score, utterly dominant. What went right for you? Um, Yeah, I think it was the blueprint of what I can do and what I need to do going forward, just attacking guys early, Um, get a lot of first-pitch contact, a lot of first-pitch outs. you know, after that, I think I got a uh, a third inning double play ball, um, and after that, it kind of just turned into into cruising, um, getting a lot of quick innings, uh, and for me, getting ground balls uh, and letting my infield work is is huge, and so um, that's what I did, and that's what I'm going to continue to do going forward. How I think we underestimate this, Jackson, in general, not just for you, but for so many folks. 2020 and a year that should have been developmental, a year that should have been a huge step forward for for you and so many other guys was just so weird, and and it just kind of screwed up so many different timelines. How much of that has just kind of been a factor on your track? I don't don't really like to think about that. Um, You know, that's something that's just outside of my control, outside of everybody's control. Um, So, you know, we just kind of have to make do with what we got in 2020. I was still able to play baseball and uh, in some sort of way, and so got to be thankful for that, and and not really worry about what could have been because that's just out of my control. All right, so let's go back through the beginning. Then you're in college. The Nats are talking to you with a bunch of other teams before they make you the 17th pick in 2019 out of a JUCO at uh, San Jacinto uh, Community College in Texas. So take us back to that time. Did you know the Nats were in on you more than other clubs? What was the relationship like? And then draft night itself. How did that all go down? Uh, there was definitely a mix of, of teams. Um, I did not know that it was going to be uh, the Nets specifically, but um, when the time came, uh, they called my name, and, and that's kind of just how it how it works out, and haven't looked back since then. You're a bigger dude. For folks that don't know, six foot eight, and it's no joke. You're a legit six foot eight. How how much harder is that for guys that are you know that are, that are your size typically to be able to kind of repeat the delivery and be consistent with your mechanics while still not sacrificing who you are as a pitcher? I think the um, the thing that helps me is just athleticism, um, just working on being an athlete in general because no one can perfectly repeat their delivery every time. So uh, being able to make adjustments on the go and, and mid-game adjustments is, is more important than, um, I guess, the what you would think is uh, repeatability. Um, so for me, just remembering to be an athlete and um, continuing to work on that throughout the offseason and, and in-season is, is uh, an important aspect for me. So you're drafted in the first round in 19. Danny asked you about the alt site in 20. Can you give us an idea of what kind of things you were working on and how that worked? I know that you had some health things you were overcoming with a shoulder and a blister along the way, but like, what was that process like? Because you mentioned you, know, you had to make the most of it. Everyone had to deal with it. So how did you go about getting better during that time? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of, um, A, just, just learning how a, a, a pro – ball uh, clubhouse works um, was definitely significant in 2020 with uh, a lot of the older guys and it kind of taking some of the wisdom that they have and, and trying to apply it to myself. Um, 
also just continuing to work on um, the off-speed pitch, uh, the changeup. Uh, that was definitely a, a point of emphasis and is still is um, continuing to work on that this year. Um, and just uh, command of the fastball is, uh, you know, the baseline for, for any good pitcher. So I think those are the things that I was uh, most most productive on. What is the team kind of giving you in terms of direction to the, in that regard, Jackson? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, the, the the talent speaks for itself. You're you're there. You're a pro, and you're ascending through the organization. What have they kind of given you as, as sort of keys? Yeah, I think uh, definitely being a guy that just attacks hitters. Um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm going to be a power pitcher, uh, and so attacking over the plate uh, is something that's uh, going to be beneficial to me. Um, continuing to use the changeup and and uh, the sinker two seam that I'm using now on um, learning how to throw those uh, to my advantage and, and get those quick outs I mentioned earlier. Um, those are the things that they're really emphasizing with me. Jackson Rutledge, Nat System here on Bustin' Loose Baseball, joining us to break down his uh, journey to this point. All right, so we got through the 2020 uh, year where you were at the alt site. So then this off season. You know, what was your program like ramping up into, into 2021 and, and then even before 2022? Go back into last year, I guess, the 21 season post-pandemic and what that was like for you. Yeah, so the 21 season certainly wasn't um, what I wanted it to be. It was uh, a little bit frustrating with, you know, some that, that shoulder injury I had earlier, just the inflammation. Uh, and then I had a, uh, a blister that, that kept me out for, for way longer than I wanted it to. Um, which was probably the most frustrating thing I've dealt with so far. Um, so it was it was tough to get in a rhythm in 21. Um, ended up going to the fall league and um, you know getting some more innings in, which was uh, a lot of fun playing in that league and, and definitely grateful that I was able to do that. Um, and then so this this off season uh, ended up being pretty short. And so I stayed in, in West Palm in the spring training facility and, and worked out with uh, one of the big league strength coaches, Tony Rogowski, and. Um, we uh, basically just uh, had a, a fairly quick turnaround and uh, got ramped up and ready for spring training. Obviously, I had a, a little bit of a setback in spring training, but um, everything's kind of where I want it to be now. Great. That's good to hear. The 36 innings last year were based on, as you said, a couple different issues, but the blisters were a big part of it. We hear that sometimes, but if we've never pitched, you know, I, I was never a pitcher, so I don't think we can relate to that. What, how does that work? I mean, is it a blister on your throwing finger and it just keeps coming back and, you know, you try to cut it down to the finger and go on the shelf once or like what happened? So, yeah, it started off as a, a small blister um, on one of the hottest day of the year, days of the year, just got a little bit too much friction, I guess, and um, ended up uh, ripping a week later. Uh, and then it just kind of it was it was right in the middle of my middle finger, right right on the pad of it, where I would throw every single pitch. So there wasn't really a way to avoid it, unfortunately. Um, and then ended up getting healthy with it, uh, and then it kind of ripped again. Um, so I had to start over. Uh, so it was just one of those weird things in baseball that you don't really think of. Um, but there was just about nothing I could do other than, other than wait for it to heal. So, um, you know, trying to avoid them now, uh, doing some stuff to keep that skin a little bit tougher, but, um, you know, it's just part of baseball, unfortunately. Jackson, tell me about the Arizona fall league. That had to be a really cool experience for you, uh, going up against some of the guys that are, that are knocking on the door of the, of the major leagues and you had some success there. I'd love for you to talk, talk to us about that experience. Yeah, that was that was a a great time there. We had a we had a great group of guys from the Nats um, and also from other teams 
um, on that on that surprise team. And uh, you know, we were, uh, we won a bunch of games also, which was a lot of fun. So um, kind of just learning from those guys around me, uh, learning from you know the coaches we had there uh, was a, a good experience because you know they are you know a few of them are in the league now, and um, you know a lot of them are going to be by the end of the year. Uh, so that was definitely something to just observe them and, and kind of take a look at why, what I do and, and what they do and, and compare and um, see what I can get better at and you know kind of build off of each other. Jackson Rutledge with us on Boston Loose Baseball. We're letting Nats fans get to know him and, and just dive into the last couple of years as he's been working his way not only back to health, but all of a sudden to throwing the ball really well. Uh, three scoreless starts in his last Four outings, including a gem over seven innings for Fredericksburg just a couple of days ago, last trip through the rotation. So you mentioned that short offseason going into 2022. What was your emphasis? You know, What did you really grind on in West Palm uh, leading up to the start of the season? Uh, working on a little bit of explosive stuff in the weight room, um, trying to get a little bit faster, get a little bit um, – you know, I'm 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 a strong guy, but trying to move the bar a little bit quicker is uh, the emphasis in the weight room. And then – you know, on the throwing side, it was about getting dialed in with my workload, um, getting dialed in with uh, how much catch I need to throw every. I need to play every day. Um, not necessarily overthrowing um, in order to, you know, maintain that health throughout the year because it's a long season, and um, you know, being able to to throw the entire year um, without having to uh, to take those, you know, injury vacations, if you will, um, back to Florida throughout the middle of the year is is just about the most important thing for me this year. Um, so that was really what it was, was just uh, about getting dialed in with that workload. Jackson, I'd love to hear something you picked up from one of your teammates at some point. You mentioned that experience in the Arizona Fall League. Is there something that you had always kind of done something one way, and someone said, "No, no, you, you, I grip it on this part of the horseshoe," or, or you know, "This is my two seamer is actually a one seam sinker, and I throw it this way." Have you? Can you think of an example like that where you changed something? Uh, yeah, I've actually, that was where I started to bring back the uh, the sinker. Um, something I had thrown up until a couple years ago um, and then started to go to the four seam and now I'm going back to it. Uh, definitely had a lot of conversations with, um, you know, the pitching coaches there and also um, the other guys on the team that threw sinkers. And so uh, we kind of, I guess, did, did a little bit of brainstorming down in the bullpen um, during, during some games. And, um, you know, it kind of ended up finding something that I like. And so that was something that, that came out of it for sure. In terms of four-seamer versus sinker, like I, I could see to- two totally different schools, right? Someone as tall as you with the high release point, that downward action could be devastating. It could be like hitting a duck pin bowling ball. I could also see someone say, no, 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 you should be riding the top of the zone with some of that hydro plant, some of that carry. Where do you think your future lies? Or are you going to mix in both? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, you know, my last outing, I got uh, quite a few punch outs up in the zone um, in two strike counts. And I think uh, I also got a lot of early ground outs uh, with the sinker down in the zone. So I think, you know, obviously coming from the release height that I have, the vertical approach angle is going to be very steep. And so using the two seam to my advantage um, can be good, but also getting through a baseball and, and throwing a four seam up in the zone is, is still, you know, an effective pitch in today's game. Um, so I think uh, just having the mix of both is going to help me a lot and uh, help me get deep into games. 
Jackson Rutledge got deep into his last start. These seven three-hit scoreless innings we talked about for the season at Fredericksburg. 34 innings, 31 strikeouts for him. Uh, has shown and flashed some really impressive stuff. And as I mentioned, three starts out of his last four no runs. He went six shutout, four shutout, seven shutout in three of those four outings. Uh what are you happy about so far this season? What are you disappointed by? Give us something you've liked, something you haven't about your performance so far. Yeah, well, I think uh, the thing I didn't like was the the first few. Um, you know, working through some stuff, uh, working through, I guess, uh, kind of just the the small things in pitching. They didn't really think about the uh, kind of just showing the ball a little early, uh, not being very deceptive. Um, did did you expect some uh, of that, Jackson? Because it had been a while since you'd thrown. I mean, normally you're not going to hit the ground sprinting, or were you surprised by those results early on? I don't know that I was necessarily surprised. Um, frustrated for sure. Uh, you know, it, it, those things do happen, um, you know, kind of early in the season. But, uh, you know, you never want to expect um, bad outings. Uh, but, you know, working past those, uh, making those adjustments, uh has put me in a really confident place um, with with commanding my fastball, um, you know, being in control of the game and, and, and in control of the plate during at-bats, um, something that I'm very pleased with myself this year and my ability to uh, to do that. When you're going good, and you've got to touch on this here just now in terms of what the process looks like, right, commanding the plate, but when you're going good, walk me through that feeling. Right, where is it? You know, you, hey, my, I know my weight's back. I know it just I'm, I'm, I'm effortless, and I'm still throwing cheddar. I mean, what are some of those things where you go? Now I'm kind of in my zone. I'm locked in my channel and my groove when, when I'm feeling good. I'm definitely feeling in control of the entire game. Uh, kind of in control of how the pace is. You know, I'm the one that um, gets to be the last one up on the mound with the the new the new pitch clock they've got going. Um, the hitter has to be in there before I do. And so being in control of that, being in control of the clock, um, managing, you know, uh, the running game um, is an important thing that, that helps me feel confident um, and just establishing the inside part of the plate, making hitters uncomfortable, um, establishing both the, the fastball in and the fastball down, um, the two seam down are two things that, um, you know, I think, again, make hitters uncomfortable and make me feel more confident. You mentioned the pitch clock. How do you like it so far? I thought that I would absolutely hate it. Um, I think I might have changed my mind a little bit. Um, wow! Definitely, we've had we've had we've had better pace. Um, but the real reason I like it is it because I think it gives pitchers a little bit of an advantage over the hitter um, due to their only uh, ability to to call one timeout during an at bat. Um, so for me. If a guy calls time, you know, you know, an O two, one two count, now you can make him really uncomfortable with a long hold, or you can just just adjust timing um, throughout the at bat, um, because it really does give the pitcher the control um, of how the pace is with that that pitch clock. So the part I feel like I would hate from the guys I've talked to about this is base running, though, where you can't throw over and kind of control the running game as much as you'd like. What has that been like? Because you guys, I think, get two throwovers, right? Yeah, well, we can throw over the third time. We just have to get the guy out or he gets the next base. Um, for so me, basically, I've, I've, you're probably not throwing over a third time, I would guess. <laughs> I've seen it a couple times, um, but has not worked out for anybody yet. Uh, for me, the controlling that I do with the running game is about uh, different holds. Um, 
you know, sometimes coming set, being quick to the plate, sometimes coming set, holding for, you know, five, eight seconds um, before delivering the pitch is how I uh, manage the running game. Um, and so uh, for me, having the, the fewer pickoffs doesn't really affect me. I know it affects some guys, um, and I'm sure that's frustrating. Uh, but it's, you know, holding the ball is uh, probably the most important part of, of managing the running game. And just being quick to the plate also, um, that's kind of a, an expected thing at this point now um, with the lack of pickoffs, especially for lefties. Um, so just doing those, I think it, it doesn't, really, um, doesn't really affect me uh, having that, that limit on the number of pickoffs. So, Jackson, I guess non-pitch clock division, right, because it's sort of eliminated some of this stuff. But I wonder, as you as you were coming up, what's something that hitters just do, or a lot of hitters do, that just drove you crazy? Like every pitcher I ever played with, I couldn't stand when guys would call time late or, you know, put their hand up and start digging in the box and doing like a sandbox-type project to make a, you know, like to fix the footprint or some other kind of crap. Pitchers always got so angry about some of those different things. What's something that hitters do or used to do that drove you crazy? Uh, yeah, definitely the, the calling time multiple times at bat uh, is something I'm not a fan of. Um, and, and most of the time when, when guys do call time during the at-bat now, I make them pay for it uh, with just making them stand in there for uh, for about 10 seconds, however, however much time I have left on the clock. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely the, the, the overzealous time calling is, uh, is something that uh, frustrates me, even in the dugout, too. Um, just because it messes with the pace and makes the game almost feel like it's dragging. Jackson Rutledge, 23 years old, 6'8", and about 250. First-round pick by the Nats, 17th overall in 2019. Has been really throwing the ball well in Fredericksburg, back healthy and on top of his game. All right, real quick before we move on and kind of get to know you a little bit in our final few minutes with some uh, non-baseball stuff, I wanted you to just give a baseball tonight style, you play analyst, breakdown of your repertoire first and then we'll get into your mindset but the actual pitches you throw the velocities and, and we can kind of dive into those a little bit but just break down the the pitches you're throwing the velocities right now yeah so um we start with the fastballs uh two seam being the uh the heavier the mix um you know 90 95 97 98 something like that um somewhere in that mix uh i'm gonna use that ball a lot um you know, so it's going to have that uh, that late arm side run. Um, going to use that ball down in the zone. Uh, the four seam is going to be something um, also similar velocity, 95 to 98. Um, you know, working up in the zone uh, late in counts. Uh, and then the changeup is um, anywhere from 87 to 90. Um, something that I'll use to both sides of the plate, um, righty or lefty. Uh, similar uh, movement to the two seam. And then the, um, the slider of recent has been uh, about 85 to 87, uh, throwing it harder now and um, continuing to use that in, in just about any count, um, any, either side of the plate. And uh, that's about it right now. That's about it. That's so funny. Uh, Danny, you can see why he goes 17th overall. Yeah, that's and, right. I mean, we're just talking about, like, triple-digit heat with the fastball almost and, and the change in the slider, you know, firmer than, like, Paolo Espino's four-seamer. It's just incredible. Uh, all right, so, Jackson, uh, what about a pie graph for me? I'm watching you throw 100 pitches in a start, and I know it's varies based on lineup and all that stuff, but just on average, like, you watch a Nats game, Masson's going to show – Here's the percentage of time he throws stuff. What's your pie graph look like right now, do you think, if you had to guess? 
I'd say definitely a, a very heavy mix of, of fastballs. Um, probably over over sixty percent at this point, and that may change going into to higher levels. Um, and then the the slider being the next uh, most significant pitch, and then it, shooting for about a fifteen percent changeup mix um, is uh, what I'm what my goal is right now. And so, um, so definitely the the fastball is the taking up the most uh, space on that on that chart. Jackson, how's your pitch chart game when it's not your day to throw and you're charting your teammates? Are you just you know just making little tick marks? Or are you meticulous about it? Grade yourself. No, I do a pretty good chart. I do a pretty good chart. I've uh, had a lot of experience with charting games, <laughs> so <laughs> I do a clean chart. I'd say my handwriting isn't the best, but but uh, other than that, it's pretty clean. Who does the best chart that you've worked alongside? Like you're like, oh, I'm throwing. I want that guy charting. I, I think. I think because of the handwriting, I'm going to go with Jake Irvin. He has some uh, some pretty neat handwriting. Um, I'll give that to him. <laughs> he's having a good year, too. He's, he's done well for himself. All right, I got a bunch is, of stuff yeah. to get to know Jackson Rutledge here, Danny. Anything else baseball you needed to hit on before we do that? No, we covered it. All right, very good. So let's run through some things. I want to know what the last show you binged was. Um, probably Better Call Saul. Ooh, okay. Is that what? Maybe that's your answer. But favorite TV show ever? Yeah, I think I gotta give it to that one too. It's just so good. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah no, and I assume you watch Breaking Bad as well. It, it's 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 equal mm-hmm. in some ways. I think it's better. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's yeah, phenomenal show. Big fan of that. What is your eating contest food? Like you could just eat more of that than the average bear. <laughs> Uh, just about anything, I think. Uh, how about uh, <laughs> how about a how about a ribeye steak? You probably put down uh, probably seven or eight of those. Oh man, <laughs> ribeye is the best. What what is a number of ounces that you would see on the menu that you would say I'll eat that, but it'll be difficult? Like if for whatever reason there's like a forty ouncer on a on a menu or something like that, is that something you could do in one sitting? If you had well, so to, usually what I usually what I can do is. Um, if I'm out to eat with my girlfriend or my mom or my sister like that, I can just eat half of their meal after and I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that's, yeah, but, that's great. But for me, if it says uh, dinner for two, um, that's kind of like at the line. If I can, uh, <laughs> I could probably finish the dinner for two, but do I need to? Probably not. Yeah, it's dinner for Jackson is right. what it means. If you, if you, <laughs> you right. six, eight, you're growing boy here. Favorite non-baseball activity, off day, you don't have to worry about the Nats being upset if you're doing something physical. Like, what is your dream off day scenario? I actually really like to cook. Um, spend a lot of time doing that in the off season, um, and so just I guess making a, an extravagant meal um, would be a would be a good activity for me. Like grill work or or in the kitchen? What, what kind of cooking are you doing? Uh, both of them. Yeah, I like to do uh, do all of it. I, you know, considered going to culinary school at one point, <laughs> might still. Um, but yeah, doing a do just about anything in the kitchen. So is that the answer to the if you weren't a baseball player, what would you do? You'd be a chef. <laughs> Maybe, could be. Yeah. What's your specialty? Like I, I'm coming over, double date style with my wife, and you guys are trying to impress us. What is Jackson cooking? Uh, probably doing some sort of homemade pasta. Um, that's that's been my go-to recently. Wow. Um, homemade homemade pasta, homemade sauce. Um, maybe grill some steak with it. 
Damn, my guy's a chef. That I sounds love pretty that. awesome. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, Carbs and meat. What's the worst thing about being as tall as you are? Six eight. Like we think about it or we don't. But the thing that you go, man, it would be awesome to be about a foot shorter right now. I'll give you three things. One of them, airplanes. Um, the other one, bus. Uh, and the third one, paying trying to sleep on a hotel full size bed. Hotel um, beds aren't not- good. I feel like they're always. Well, I'm five eight, so that's probably why I feel that way. Yeah, his, 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 from his knee down is off the bed pretty much. So if you get a yeah. a full size bed in a hotel, it's problematic. It's it's not the most comfortable thing. Yeah, I'm usually uh usually got about half my half my leg hanging off the bed, oh, or I'm brutal. going diagonal or something. Best and worst piece of advice you've ever received. It's a good question. Um. I don't know about the worst. I don't know if I would remember that. <laughs> uh, you might have to come back to me on that one. If I need you to pass. Uh, to think. <laughs> if it's bad advice, you probably just discarded it anyway. Uh, yeah, I think I went one Like jump off that, climb that, throw that pitch. You know, one of those kind of things. What's your least favorite unwritten rule in baseball? The one that you, you would love to throw to the wind? Hmm. I... Um, I think it's not even a, an unwritten rule anymore, but um, the the 3-0 auto take, uh, I'm not a fan of, um, and I, I really love when when hitters swing 3-0 on me because that means they might ground out or fly out. Um, but I think also uh, it's it's the best hitting count, so why would we not try and um, you know hit the ball to the moon at that point and and uh, hit some instead of just taking moon. a fastball down the middle? You an electronic strike zone guy? We want robot umpires. What about you? See, I don't know because it is, it is an art to um, to commanding the zone. There's an art to uh, receiving the ball and having that relationship with your catcher to where he knows where you're going to throw it and where he can steal strikes. Um, definitely can be frustrating, I know, especially when you're watching the broadcast and it has the square up there. Um, but I think if you go to the, the auto zone, um, it, it makes things weird with curveballs. Um, you know, if a guy catches it down the middle, it's not really a strike because it's crossing the plate. You know, at the guy's head, if you if you throw a big twelve six, so I think it just it just complicates things even more. Um, I threw on him a couple times in the fall league, um, and it was it was fine. It was just it was just weird um, because I could throw sliders that weren't strikes that were getting called strikes because they were crossing, you know, in the zone. So we'll see we'll see what they do. What's your favorite sport to watch besides baseball? I've been watching hockey recently, actually. Uh, me and me and Mason Dindenberg, he's a huge hockey fan. He's a big Lightning fan. Um, so we've been we've been watching that. Watch the Blues in the playoffs, and and so now I'm into that. I guess I love hockey live and on TV. But if you haven't been to many games live, you got to do it. Especially at Cap One Arena here in DC. There's great vibes for the Caps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to go to one of those. Uh, Fredericksburg is a pretty cool little spot. You guys got a good ballpark. Real quick, rapid fire. You mentioned Denneberg. I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of uh, guys now that are your teammates that are having some nice years. Uh, Jeremy De La Rosa has blown me away. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. What do you think of him? Yeah, he's a stud. He's a um, he's a five tool guy. Um, you know, he he's just been so much more relaxed this year. Um, so much more confident. Uh, that's been good to see. You know, he's. He's hammering the ball. He had a nuke. Uh, was it yesterday? Two days ago? Yeah, hit one four forty, like one eleven off the bat. I think. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bomb. Um, you know, he's got the ability to do that. They can also run, um, throw guys out, and field the ball. 
so, you know, it's he, he, he's having a great year and, you know, hope to see him uh, move to a higher level here soon and keep tearing it up. Yeah, he's a little bit older than the guy I was going to ask you about next, but T.J. White has been on this crazy tear. I think he was like maybe a fifth-round pick or something. He's a teenager, but he's been off the charts the last five weeks or so. Yeah, he's definitely one of the strongest um, you know, teenagers I've seen. He is, uh, he's another guy that can hit the ball a real, real long way uh, when he gets a chance. But he's been tearing it up recently. Um, you know, I'd love to see that for him. Uh, getting that confidence up and and just you know continue the year doing that and just hitting the ball hard. And then the last guy you mentioned was Mason Denneberg, a fellow first round pick. He's been through the ringer with injuries and trying to come all the way back now. Uh, what have you seen from him when he's been able to get on the hill? Uh, it's been electric. Yeah, he's he's been he's been throwing hard. He's been um, you know uh, commanding in the zone, uh, making guys uncomfortable again, and and you know he's. When he, uh, you know, I'm happy for him to uh, to get healthy. You know, he's, he's been, like you said, he's been through it. Um, so for him to be healthy the rest of this year, I think he's going to put up some some pretty uh, pretty phenomenal numbers. Um, and so, um, you know, just just happy for him, and you know, hope he can uh, continue it. Jax, this is a real treat, man, to catch up with you, dude. Continued success, okay? And thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. As Jackson Rutledge, Nationals pitching prospect, will be at Nats Park hopefully within the next year or so, striking batters out and putting away big-time hitters in the National League East. And ribeye. And ribeyes. And And ribeye. (laughs) If you make steak in the nation's capital in the uh, Navy Yard neighborhood here, get ready. He's coming for you.